Welcome to Project Recovery, a podcast about addiction. More importantly, it's about recovery. And uh, my name is Casey Scott, and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm an alcoholic who's been in active recovery for coming up on almost five and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I'm doing, Dr. Matt, is because it's a new year and we've been doing this for almost five years, I thought it'd be a good time to kind of just reintroduce ourselves. Let everybody okay. know a little bit about us and, and why we have this podcast and how it all came to be. Because, I mean, it's been a, it was a wild ride to get us to our very first episode. It really was. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dr. Matt is a clinical psychologist and one of my really, really great friends. And uh, we've known each other for... Probably 15, 20 years. Yeah, right in there. And so how me and Dr. Matt first met was um, I used to be a producer on a local morning show here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was tasked with the job of going out and causing chaos. Yeah. In the community. (laughs) Pretty much. It was the alternative radio show and you were the you were the crazy guy it was like a stunt boy or uh-huh. you know and so i was the man on the street the i would prankster. do i would do characters and and whatnot and <clears throat> to be honest with you that's you know i was battling alcoholism back then but then it was just considered partying it was binging and it was almost part of my job i remember yeah. you know during yeah. sundance days my job would be the sundance correspondent and I would be up at Sundance, uh, up in Park City for two weeks straight, oh. partying. And and I would call uh. in intoxicated. I would call in hungover. Yeah. Uh, I was I would try to break into celebrity parties. Mm-hmm. I remember waking up one morning on the floor at a party Britney Spears was supposed to be at, but never showed up yeah. next to the 7-Up guy who did 7-Up commercials <laughs> for like three years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just random stuff, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and uh, I remember... Uh, urinating uh, in a alley in Park City next to the Hanson brothers. You know what I mean? And, and, and like random stuff. I remember partying with Mr. Belvedere. Mr. Belvedere? No, not Mr. Belvedere. Who was the guy in, um, oh gosh, it was Zach Morris, A.C. Slater, Mr. Belding. Okay. Mr. No, Belding, Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Belding was a fixture at Sundance. Yeah, was And he? back in the day of Sundance, <laughs> um, like big Hollywood corporations would come in and buy the town up. And so oh, yeah. you would go into the bars and it was everything for free mm-hmm. and it was just chaos and they had like like i remember seeing the cult there i remember seeing um the fujis uh and it's, i mean some of the best acts in 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 hollywood and in the record industry were up there during sundance it used to be like that i, yeah. I don't think it is anymore no i i, I yeah it's kind of died down but either we've gotten older things have changed in the probably, 90s it was it was pretty crazy and so but that was my job and so i would go out and do that and then i remember did you get kicked out of uh midnight oils dressing room i drank all their heinekens yeah they got mad and kicked you out because so what people (laughs) may not know is that a lot of bands they have something that's called a rider yeah and a rider is their demands uh it's for their green room for their green room and they can order anything they want so some so that's where you'll hear the crazy stuff like van halen only wanted green Mm m&ms or j-lo wants everything white or you know and so whatever it is and so i heard David Lee Roth talking about that was a real thing. Yeah, they would do it just to see if they would read the writer or not. They, so they, and also, they, they would put it in there. It was a way to get out of doing the gig because oh, if they didn't fulfill the right. writer, yep. 
then the contract was null and void. So they would throw those in there sometimes in case they didn't work. They were like, hey, you didn't fulfill your rider, so we're done. We're not doing it. And didn't you can't get all green MMs. Yeah. Yeah. And so Midnight Oil wanted Heineken. And so we shared green rooms, and there was Heineken and there was like trash beer. And I was like, I'm not going to drink the trash beer. I'm going to drink the Heineken. <laughs> well, I didn't know it was Midnight Oils. And I drank yeah. all of their Heinekens. <laughs> and the lead singer comes in and goes, hey, where's my Heineken? And I was like, oh, I drank those. He's like, those were for us. And I go, oh, sorry. And he goes, could you leave now? <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah. I'm he already drunk. you out in a yeah. nice way. Yeah. So I left. Yeah. Um, but so th- I was kind of championed for being yeah. crazy, yeah. for partying, for overindulging in yeah. a lot of scenarios. People might remember the... Haunted I-15, yeah. that you do. I would stand above I-15 in a Halloween costume and just go, boo. And people would honk. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Most people didn't even know what I was doing. They probably <laughs> thought, hey, there's a guy jumping, but yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, and so then I left to go and do TV. And then after I left, I remember I would be driving to my live shots in the morning. And I would well, tune. Can I pause for a second? Yeah. Because that part of my story in how we met is uh, I came back from... Uh, from graduate school and and went to Kansas for graduate school, came Mm -hmm. back here, was doing a postdoc fellowship at the U and for a time, because you don't make any money when you're doing that. I was living up in Morgan where I grew up and I would drive, you know, like an hour to get into the U every day. And I would listen to one radio station, a very well-known and I was depressed by the time I'd get there. So negative and just just negative folks. Mm-hmm. And I switched over and was I started. Was it Grant and Amanda? <laughs> no. Love Grant and Amanda. Um, but <laughs> they're like the opposite. Was it Dickie and Angel? <laughs> nope, not them. <laughs> married with Microphones? <laughs> that was the name of their show. Oh, I missed that one, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But I started listening to your show. And that uh, that really was a pick-me-up. Like, I know that for you, there was a lot of substance abuse going on behind the scenes. But for the for the listener, it was positive. It was fun. It was it got you going in the morning. And I it was a hard year for me in a lot of ways. Uh, I enjoyed it, but it was a hard year. And that helped me kind of get through. And then later, I ended up uh, being a guest on that show. So our morning show was designed to be just an escape from reality. And it was. It was uh, a just one. a way to yeah. lighten up and have a good laugh and give you the information that you need to know, but hopefully some laughs that you really, really needed. Yeah. And, and, it, so, and it was fun being on that so show. So my, my, my time at radio came to an end, um, and so I, I transitioned over to TV. But I would still listen in the morning every once in a while to see what's going on, and I, I, I'd surf all the radio stations. And I remember hearing you for the first time. They said, we got a, we got a psychologist in. His name is Dr. Matt, and he's very knowledgeable. And so they would have guests call in, and they would ask you a question, and you would answer. And the thing that I really loved about the way Dr. Matt spoke was he was very um, approachable and not condescending. And it just seemed like a guy that you would like to talk to. And, 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 and you made us everybody feel at ease. No, oh, thanks. And it so I, I remember that. And so then I worked in TV and did morning shows for a little bit and then had the opportunity to also do a talk show at the same station. And we wanted to bring in a guest to talk about talking to your children, talking to your spouse, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression. And I, and I instantaneously thought of you. I said, I got a guy. He's amazing. I, and, and I didn't have your number. I said, but if you can get a hold of Dr. Matt and we can get him in here, I think he's going to be an amazing guest. 
And that's when we first started really talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so he would come in on a, a show I had called Fresh Living. And he would come in once a month and talk about parenting, relationship, and, and, and a lot of the stuff that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And so that was a fun run. And, and we did that. You and uh, Debbie. Debbie Worthen. Yeah. And we did that for a while. And then uh, drinking lost me that job. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only that, it lost me my wife. And I will say this. I know you're getting to serious stuff. But mm-hmm. um, when you left the show and they wanted me to keep coming in, I think I did one or two more. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Hmm. Uh, because it was just it wasn't any fun without you. Ah, oh. I appreciate that. Yeah. No. So I quit. I I quit that free gig. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I lost I lost that job and yeah. I lost my wife and I, I I lost really a lot more than that. I was losing who I was and at that point I really didn't even know who I was. And so I remember getting fired from that job and I remember when they fired me. Uh, they brought me into the office, and this is the craziest thing. And I don't hold any ill will towards them. I don't hold it towards KSL. I don't hold it towards anyone. Mm-hmm. But I remember them coming into this office, and they go, hey, how you doing? And I go, not good. This is over at the other station. <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm not doing good. And they go, yeah, we, we can see that. Um, unfortunately, we're going to have to let you go. I go, so I tell you I'm not doing good, and your answer is we got to let you go. Now, truth be told, I they'd give me a couple options, a couple chances before that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was in denial. Uh, I was trying to outsmart them, and and it, so it, like I said, it's not their fault. It was it was it was my fault. It was a hundred percent my fault. But were you surprised that they they were letting you go? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, just to remind people, you had the Fresh Living Morning Show, and then you also did Road Tripping. Yeah. And uh, between those two things, you couldn't turn the TV on without seeing Casey Scott. I was, I was, yeah, I was everywhere. And and, and that was part of the problem, too. I was always on the go and always trying to give people what they wanted or what I thought they wanted at at a cost to me. And, and I was just trying to stay afloat. So I lose that, and because of that, I called you as a friend and yep. as a therapist, and said, "Hey, um, I, I don't, I don't know." Um, we had a few conversations. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm trying to figure this out, and we had this good conversation. And after losing that job, I managed to put a good amount of sobriety underneath my belt. I managed to get a job here at KSL. Mm-hmm. And I remember having conversations with KSL, with their management, and saying, hey, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And for the longest time, I was. Mm -hmm. But I had never done any work. I had never admitted to myself that I was an alcoholic. I just admitted that things got out of control, and I cannot let them get that way again. Yeah. And so I thought I had it. You were doing the, I just need to be sober for a while thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've just got to figure this out. And so... I put it together. I get another job on TV, and this one's better. I, I, I'm happy, mm-hmm. and and I think everything's good. I'm still getting divorced, but I but I but I've got a job, right? And I'm able to provide for my kids. I'm able to pay my alimony. I'm able to pay my child support, and and, and all the things. And so I think I'm doing good. Just when I think I'm doing good, I realize I'm really not doing good. Uh, because I started to drink again, and this time it escalated quicker than it has ever escalated. And uh, my life starts to fall apart pretty quickly. Uh, You know, um, so much is the fact that I end up selfishly getting behind the wheel of a car 
and get in a car wreck. And I hit two cars and I could have killed people. Um, and, and still to this day, this is not something that I like to talk about because yeah. I think about it every day and I still haven't talked to the families that I've hit. Uh, and I hope one day to be able to do that. But because of that accident, uh, I chose to change my life and I went into rehab. And while in rehab, um, we came up with this idea for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I kind of skipped a big piece because me and you were going to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and uh, we were going to do a podcast about being single dads because when I was getting divorced, you were also getting divorced. Yeah. We like to do things together. Yeah. And and, and so I remember because that was part of my deal here at KSL was that I was supposed to also come up with some podcasts. Right. And right. so. Uh, and we had been in the studio and recorded three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And the day that I got the DUI. <laughs> I show, Well, that was the day it was supposed to because you have to get. Three of them in the can, yeah. ready to go before you can like put it out on like Apple or yeah. any of those. And so that we were we were going to record, but that was also the day. I got a DUI on Monday. On Monday, we were supposed to launch it on Tuesday. Yeah, and I, I showed up here Tuesday. I was supposed to meet you in the lobby. Right. We were supposed to go on TV that day. Right. And say, hey, we're two divorced dads, but we're gonna have some fun and navigate this crazy world, and we want you to go along with us. Yeah, we had a whole uh, we had a whole show set up. Yeah. We had artwork done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Facebook pages. Oh, the whole deal. Yeah. Uh, we had plans, big plans for the future. We were gonna be like, hey, you guys are gonna get a front row seat to two divorced dads, yep. you know, navigating parenting and yep. dating and still a great idea. Oh, I think we could do it still. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you show up in the lobby <laughs> and ask for Casey and they tell you. Um, I, well, I waited and I waited <laughs> and I text. I sent you a text and then I sent you another text. Oh, my phone. I didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that now. Yeah. Uh, and finally, I asked the person at the desk. I'm like, hey, have you seen Casey? And she looks at me like, yeah. And I said, well, is he here? No. And I said, well, okay, you know, can I leave him a message? And she points at the TV behind her, and you're, you, you, they were doing the, sh- your mugshot was there. Everywhere. Yeah, it was on, it was on the news. The news, I, I was the last to know, apparently. And while my mugshot was everywhere on every TV station and every newspaper in the state, mm-hmm. I was checking myself into uni which is a detox facility up at the University of Utah. Yeah, it's now called Huntsman Mental Health Institute, and they have a detox there still. Yeah. So it's a great it's a great place to have a supervised medical detox. It's safe. Which I needed. Yeah. And so I was there, and I was uh, checking myself in, and I remember sitting down in this room and talking with the intake officer. And my mom was there because she had to drive me because I wrecked my truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember sitting there, and... They asked me questions, and I was probably the most honest I've ever been in front of my mom. I mean, they were asking me everything. Was that hard to, it, to fess up to everything in front of your mom? I mean, it, yes and no. I, I think the hardest part was seeing the look of disappointment on my mom's face. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Because um, I did do the things, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and that is me. And it felt kind of good to be able to tell somebody. And I did want to be honest because I, I, I wanted that part of my life to end. But I remember I would say something like how much I'm drinking. 
and uh, the the professional was very professional. They were just like, okay. And I'd look over, and my mom's face was just a gasp, like, what? Yeah. Not my baby. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And I'm just like, oh. I think that would be hard. It was, yeah, it was not fun. Yeah. You know? And I remember hugging my mom, and uh, I remember going into the detox facility. You go in there, and they take your belt. They take your shoelaces out. Yep, yep. Those are self-harm risks. You yeah. know, and I remember I uh, told my mom, I said, I don't know how, but I'm going to fix this. She goes, I hope you can, son. Mm-hmm. And she gave me a hug. And I went in and I spent seven days in detox. And while I was there, I got a trip to the ER because my breathing got so low that I almost died. Mm-hmm. That's why you should never detox alone. And so, you know, and here's the thing. I don't remember going to the ER. The only reason I know I went to the ER is because uh, three years ago, I finally paid that bill off. <laughs> And I'm not kidding. No, I'm sure. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I've for the like it's expensive. I get bills all the time, and I go, "Well, yeah, I must have been there." Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure because, and I look at the dates, and they coincide, and I'm like, "Yeah, well, okay, yeah. you got to pay this off," you know? Because uh, believe it or not, going to rehab does not do your credit wonders. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it does not. It's not good. Does your brain wonders, but yeah, not your credit. But not your credit. Yeah. And so I remember going into the detox, and then I remember. Um, somebody coming going, hey, there's some people from some rehab here. Do you want to talk to them? And I was like, oh, oh different rehab centers yeah. would come so, in. Yeah. So that was what they would do. They would come in there and they'd be like, so what is your aftercare plan? Because a lot of people won't. They'll just go to detox. Yep. Then they feel better. Yep. And then they go home. Yep. And that's a vicious cycle. And people yeah. do that all the time. Yeah. Uh, and they do what I do or used to and be like, I just can't let it get bad again like that. Yeah. But without any real work behind that, chances are it's going to get real bad again quicker. Right. So I was like, okay, I mean, I don't have anything to go back to right now. I know my TV job's not going to be there. Uh, I know my ex-wife really doesn't want to see me. Uh, My kids aren't too pleased with me. So I was like- You had a new girlfriend at the time. Yeah. And uh, she didn't know where I was. Uh, So I was like, yeah, let's talk to anybody, you know? And so I talked to a couple of people and, you know, sent my mom to look at these places. And, you know, when you're 40 years old and you've got, you know- your mom going to check out rehabs for you. You know you've made some wrong life decisions. <laughs> but I did. And so I ended up going to Pinnacle and did 45 days there, which is a wonderful experience. And, and like I'll tell you again, if you can get 45 days in a rehab without an addiction, take it. Oh, it's yeah. a, it's amazing. Well, uh, it's, you know what I mean? It's therapeutic. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. You talk to a therapist daily. Yep. You go into progress. Uh, process rooms and groups and, and talk to people. They make you go to the gym. You actually take care of yourself. Yeah. For the first time in my life, they, they were like, this is just about you. Yeah. I remember I would call HR at KSL whenever I had my phone privileges. I'd be like, hey, HR, it's Casey. And they're like, hey, Case. And like, just calling to check in. They're like, yeah, we appreciate it. And I was like, just want to know if my job's there. And they go, hey, let's work on you. Let's take this yeah. time to work on you. And, yeah. and when you're done, and then come back and talk to us. But let's don't worry about this. Don't worry about this. And KSL kept me on insurance. Oh, and isn't kept, that amazing? Kept me on insurance to make sure that I was able to do what needed to be done. I've had people actually ask me about that. Yeah. They they I when we started doing the show, people a few people said like, so KSL really kept him on? And I'm like, yeah, they really took good care of him. Yeah, yeah. They kept me on insurance until rehab was done. Right. And then they fired me. And they me. didn't have to. No, no. You could have got stuck with they no insurance. They in could have dropped me right then. Yep. And then I don't know how I would have paid for it. Right. And rehab is not cheap. Nope.
So I would call HR and they would say, just work on you. And so, and I started to work on me and I had some wonderful experiences and epiphanies while in rehab. But one of them was uh, like, here's, so while I'm in rehab, Hope Woodside gets in trouble mm-hmm. and that's all over the news. Yeah. I remember the jazz bear got fired. Yeah. That was all over the news. Yeah. And I, and I remember sitting there and I was just like, oh my gosh. Happens in threes. Yes. <laughs> I'm the third. Yeah. And so I was like, I've got to figure out how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And, and I didn't, and I was like, and the only thing I'm good at is sharing my life on TV. And, and I, I didn't know if that was going to be an option. So and I remember people need to know you've been doing that since what you were in college. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I thought to myself, I was like, I want to start a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast about addiction because podcasts were just coming out and people mm-hmm. were trying to figure out what their niche was. Mm-hmm. And my niche was built in. I'm an alcoholic and I love to overshare. And so I was like, <laughs> this is a podcast. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to do this podcast. And so much in the fact is 15 of us would get in a white van because that's how we always traveled, whether it was to Walmart, pumpkin patches, movies, AA meetings, whatever it may be. We all jumped in these vans. I and think if you say the, the, the words, I got my phone privileges or we all went somewhere in a white van, you've made some bad choices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I had made those choices. And so we would get in the van and uh, like I would be in the back seat and somebody would be in the front seat. And there was this kid in there and his name was, uh, uh, let's just call him D. Okay. And D was, he was a funny kid and we, we'd have a pretty good rapport. And D would be in the front seat and he goes... Welcome to the podcast. Let's go to line one. <laughs> line one, we got Casey in the back. And so I would come up with a question and then we would just, you know. Oh, that's fun. And so, and then and then he would go around the van and everybody would ask questions. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, that's kind of like what I'm thinking. And so, yeah, let's do this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling everybody while in rehab that I'm going to do this podcast. And everyone's like, yeah, that's funny. That's cool. Not going to happen. Right. But it did. It did. And so I get out of rehab. Almost didn't. Yeah. I get out of rehab. And uh, I'm home for about two weeks, and I call HR. Well, actually, HR called me this time. <laughs> yeah, sure. HR was like, hey, Casey, why don't you come in and talk to us? And I'm like, cool. And I still didn't have the guts to ask then if I still had a job. I felt like I knew I didn't, but I didn't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, let's just go there and see what they have to say. So I put on my best shirt and my best pair of pants, and I took the train. Uh, because I didn't have a car. Yep, no license. Took the train down to Salt Lake, walked to the KSL building, uh, waited in the lobby because uh, I didn't have a card to get in the doors or anything else. And uh, they took me up into HR. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to let you know, HR here is amazing. And HR is yeah. amazing in most businesses. Yeah. But if you find yourself sitting in HR with HR and a manager... Things aren't going your yeah. way. That's going to be a tough conversation. <laughs> yeah, things aren't going your way. Yeah. And so I remember sitting down there across from the general manager and HR. And they go, hey, Casey, how you doing? You know, they started out nice. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what this is like. And they go, hey, you know, it's a long road ahead of you. And we need you to know that we believe in you. And I said, I appreciate that. Mm. So I'm getting a little bit of hope. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, maybe, 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 maybe. maybe. But they go, unfortunately, (laughs) that's the word you don't want to hear. No more hope. Unfortunately, because of the circumstances and the contract that you signed and all that stuff, we feel it's best to to just part ways now. Mm -hmm. 
and we still want you the best for you. And if there's anything we can do other than give you a job, <laughs> we, we want we, we. And they meant it, and and I, and I know they did. I'm joking about it, but they were. I think they were tremendous, right? Above the board, classy all the way. Yep. They were just wonderful, and they go. Unfortunately, we're gonna have to part ways. And I remember thanking them. I go, I, I, thank you. I appreciate that. And what you guys have done for me thus far is amazing. And above and beyond, really. Yeah, it is. And so I go, um, but I got an idea. And they go, what? And I go, hear me out. I would like to do a podcast. And <laughs> you just look at their face and they're like, huh? And I was like, so I want to do a podcast. And, and I want to kind of go through my life of getting sober and share my story, but not only my story, bring other people in to talk about theirs as well. Because what I had found when I was in recovery is the stories really matter. That's what connected you to other addicts because you would hear similarities in their story that made yours not sound so crazy or that you were so broken and alone by yourself. You realized that there was other people fighting the same fight mm -hmm. you were and have seen the same dark things that you've seen, have felt the same same loneliness that you felt, had the same questions that you had. And so there was a real community there. Connection. Yeah. And so I was like, I want to be able to share these stories because while I was in rehab, I mean, I, because there's anonymity and you can't, but I mean, there was police officers, there was uh, upscale mothers. I mean, there was, I mean, just people from all walks of life that yeah. were in those re in that rehab with me. Right. And, and and I was like, this is the real face of addiction. These these, these are our neighbors. These are our bankers. It's not the stereotype of yeah. of of a homeless person. The people you pass on your way to a jazz yeah. game. Yeah, it it does. Addiction doesn't respect your position in no. life. No. And I, and I said, and so these are the stories I wanted to share because for the longest time in my addiction, I thought there was just something wrong with me because I have friends that still party and it doesn't seem to ruin their life. You know, and, and so I've, for the longest time, I thought I'm broken. What's wrong with me? Why can't I just get it together? Yeah. Why can't I, why can't I just stop? Why do I always have to take it to that next level? Why can't I, you know, after two beers go to bed, mm -hmm. but you know, something in my brain just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so when I was in those meetings, I felt that community, I felt that connection. So I wanted to share those stories. And so I remember KSL uh, management was like, so we're firing you and you're pitching us another idea. <laughs> And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you, that is the most Casey Scott thing you could do. I said, so what do you think? And they sat back and they go, you know, we're gonna have to think on this one. Yeah. But give us some time and uh, we'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. And I got in the train and I was like, they're never calling. They were being nice. And, and I appreciate that. I mean, they humored me and that was good. Yeah. And I got a call and they said, hey, we like this idea but you need to get another person to do this podcast with. It can't just be you. You need to get a doctor. And I was like, I got a doctor. <laughs> I know a doctor. And uh, he's not happy with me. Oh, that's uh, but, not no, true. But I mean, but I left you lurch and I left you hanging. Nah. I know, but 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 still, as, as a friend. I know you felt bad about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, and I still to this day do because we had invested some time and had some big dreams. And I thought, I'm going to call him. And I was like, hey, do you I remember? was so happy you called. Remember when I called? Yeah. I said, Dr. Matt. <laughs> That's how I always say it. Dr. Matt. I said, hey, it's Casey. Yeah. And we talked a little bit and I said, hey, I got this idea. 
I was I was so happy you called because I had no way of getting a hold of you. Yeah. And I was worried about you. And of course, the people at KSL, all they would could could and would tell me was you were in rehab. And, yeah. And that's all I knew. So I was I was so happy you called. Yeah. So I said, I got this idea. Hear me out. <laughs> and I don't even think I finished the pitch before you said, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's Definitely. do it. And so that's how this podcast started. Yeah. Uh, you know, coming up on five years. You know, it's mm-hmm. January now. In March will be five years. Yeah. Uh, over 315 crazy? episodes. Right. Uh, you know, over 200 guests. Yep. We have shared stories from mothers to lawyers to doctors. Uh, Celebrities have been on the show. Average people have been on the show. I've, the whole gamut of, of our society has been on the show. Husbands, wives, mothers, sons. We've had people come on who talked about how their families addictions have affected them. Um, we've had husband and wife duos on the show. Yeah. We've had pornography. Uh, we've, yep. Not just substance abuse. We've talked about pornography and um, a variety you know, of behavioral addictions that happen as well. You know, uh, we have shared many tears on this podcast Mm -hmm. of, you know, people telling their deepest, darkest secrets. Uh, You know, people ask me when I'm out and about about the podcast and and some of the stories. And one of the most raw stories that uh, I've ever heard on this podcast, and I want to say his name is Josh Lynch. Okay. And he came on this podcast and he had an opioid addiction. And I probably told this on the podcast before, but he was addicted to pills and he was driving his daughter around mm-hmm. and he had a pill in that little cubby in front of your truck and he pulled up to a job site and he got out to talk to somebody on the job site. And when he got back in the car, he noticed that pill was gone and he realized his daughter had taken it. Yeah. It was a uh, oxy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he did what he should he grabbed his daughter and went straight to the er yeah uh he went to the er and they pumped his daughter full of charcoal and uh help help get rid of that that so it doesn't digest yeah and the the thing that he said that will stay with me for the rest of my life was he goes as soon as the doctor told me that my daughter was going to be okay he goes, the next thing I did is went to the parking lot and called my dealer because that was my last pill. Hmm. If that's not addiction, I don't know what is. That's how bad it was. Yeah. You know, and now he's doing wonderful things in the recovery community. Yeah. And I talked to him uh, quite a bit. And uh, him and his wife are amazing. They're missionaries for the uh, LDS's uh, 12-step program. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so they're helping people battle their addiction. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of stories that people have opened up and shared. I mean, we've had people, I mean, that is a very raw look at what addiction really is. Yeah. But we've also had people come in and talk about their their suicidal moments mm-hmm. and their suicide attempts. And um, we've had people break down on the show because they've stolen from friends and family things they never thought they would do. And some people might ask, well, is it really important to, to be that honest? Is it maybe we're, is it just drama that the show brings? What would you say? Why is it? Why is, I would say it's not, but what, what would you say? I There's think, a purpose to it, I guess. I think one, 
getting it out there makes it real. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we carry these thoughts around in our head. And if you've ever been in an addict's brain, it can do some crazy things. So once you put it out there, it makes it more concrete. It makes it more real. And there's more accountability to it by letting other people know. Yeah, there's definitely accountability. I also think it destroys it. Yeah. Because when we hold things inside, they grow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a monster inside They say our us. secrets keep us sick. They do. And when you admit to something and somebody else goes, ah, I've been there. Or, you know, that is that it? That's all you did? You know, like when people normalize it and it kind of it deflates the power, this negativity that's in our, our, our secrets. Yeah. And allows for healing to begin. It's at that moment that it allows for healing to begin. And I think these people are coming on and talking about their healing process. And you have to be that honest to really share the process. But then listeners go, no way. I've done that. See, and Maybe I, I can also get, I yeah. can get well. You sit right there. Maybe I've done that. You know what I mean? But that's the thing is for a lot of addicts, they carry around this heavy stuff. And they think the thing that they've done is the worst thing that anybody can have done. Mm-hmm. And then when they realize other people have done similar things mm-hmm. and have figured out a way to get their life back, it gives them hope. So powerful. It gives them hope that they're like, okay, well, oh, no, I, I can come back yeah. from this. I can make amends. I can be stronger. One thing I like to tell people uh, about my addiction and my recovery, I'll go, that's who I was, mm-hmm. but that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I have to have ownership in the things that I've done. And I've done some really bad things uh, and selfish things and destructive things. And I cannot say that that wasn't me because it was. Right. I can tell you 100% now that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's those aren't the beliefs that I hold. But I was in the throes of addiction and I was in survival and I was doing the things that I thought that I needed to do to sometimes just to get even. I often remember the story of, um, you know, my mom yelling at me one time going, hey, this is BS. But she didn't say BS. Yeah, I know your mom. She goes, <laughs> uh, you're out there having fun and we're all paying the price. And I go, really? Does it look like I'm having fun? Because I'm not. I'm right. just, you know, towards the end, no, you know, no addict is having fun. Right. They're just trying to get to an even baseline to get through. That's a universal experience. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, no addicts ever like partying and having a great time. Maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. You know what today. I mean? Here's the, here's the lie with drugs and alcohol. It all starts out good. I mean, it, 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 really, it really is. I mean, it, you know what it is? Drugs and alcohol are a horror movie. They always seem like they're having fun in the beginning. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're drinking, they're playing beach volleyball, and then they die. And then it gets bad. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. alcohol. That's yeah. drugs. It, it, it's, it, it, it's a horror story. That's a, that's a good analogy. It's a yeah. horror story. Yeah. So that, that's who we are. And Dr. Matt is a clinical psychologist, and his specialty is not working in substance and addiction. No, in fact, um, I, you know, when I was in graduate school and I was doing a clinical PhD program, and you, know, you, you kind of specialize in certain things. And I, I've told people this before. I didn't go to graduate school to be a therapist, actually. I was interested in neuroscience and other things. And uh, I do think being a therapist is now the majority of what I do, and it's, it's a good fit for me. But I remember thinking, well, if I ever really work with patients, you know, because I wanted to do academic stuff more, like uh, I, I can't do that with the addiction folks. There were some people in my cohort that liked that. And because addiction therapists, I don't know if, you, if you've ever met an addiction therapist, they're in your face. Yeah, no, yeah. Right? I, like I, I had a couple, bro. You had a few, yeah. Yeah, I was in rehab. But uh, uh, so I, I steered a clear of that. And the reason that they're that way 
is they have to be that way yeah. because addiction makes you dishonest. It, it makes you a liar. Uh, you have uh, excuses and manipulations and they have to break through that. But I never thought I wanted to do that. But then lo and behold, I start working with patients specializing in anxiety disorders primarily. And guess what? Oh, addiction shows up in your office, right? Self-medication. And since I tend to work with younger people, it's often in the beginning. And I had to reach out and get some support professionally. Like, what do I do with this kid who's starting to drink a lot or use a lot? And, you know, and uh, I learned a lot about that. And so uh, I would say, am I an addictions therapist? No, definitely not. Do I work with people who have addiction and substance abuse problems every day? Yeah. And uh, when when you and I were talking about your drinking and you know, I was trying to understand like how much is Casey really drinking yeah. and, you know, realizing that it was, you know, you know, the other show went away and I didn't want to be on the show without you. So that was no fun. So I realized, oh, this is getting pretty bad. And then when I, when I showed up in the lobby by myself and realized, uh oh, this yeah. is really bad. So uh, being on the show was a no brainer for me, mostly because I love you. Oh. And I wanted to support you in this. And wow. I thought we'd probably get six shows <laughs> under our belt and that would be it. But, uh, I have benefited maybe more than anyone being on the show, getting to see, I had no idea the subculture in Salt Lake city and the surrounding areas of people in recovery doing good. I had no idea about that subculture. You know, the crazy thing about this and, and I, Probably not a fair statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've known, known some of the most righteous people that wouldn't spit on you if you were on fire. Mm-hmm. And I've met some of the most broken people that would give you the shirt off their back. Yep. And the thing is with recovery, the community is such an amazing, supportive community that they've been there, they've done that, and all they want to do is see you succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's the crazy thing is, and I think when most people think of addiction— they think of the homeless person in the park or whatever, and there is a lot of that. Yeah, there is. But what they don't see is the other side of the recovery community, of the amazing things that they're doing selflessly every day, giving back, you know, just to... to I think addiction is such a selfish thing that people do a 180 when they get into recovery mm-hmm. and they become selfless. They start living their lives for other people, and it is beautiful. You know, living a life in recovery is like living Christmas Day every day. It really is just such a present blessing. It really, I mean, it's amazing because because here's the mind of an addict. We didn't think we'd have any of these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? So every yeah. day we wake up and we get another day, we're like, holy cow. Great. We got another one, man. Yeah. And we can do what we want. You know what I mean? And yeah. we and so that's why like every day is just like like Yeah. I didn't even, I mean, how many times have we had people sit down in this chair right here saying, I thought I was gonna die in my thirties? Oh yeah. You know, and, oh, yeah. And, and 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 like so now that I get to go do this stuff, this is this they're is bonus. Ha- they're popping out of bed, happy to be alive. This is happy bonus to be days, doing bro. Good. Yeah. Bonus days. Yeah. 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 So I just thought it would be a good time to reintroduce ourselves and kind of our story and yeah. the mission of this podcast and what we're doing. And so as we're kicking off the new year, realize that things can get better. Yeah. And sometimes you have to sit in your own stink. Yep. You have uh, to sit with it. You have to own it. Yep. Before you change it. But nothing's going to change if nothing changes. Right. 
Yeah. Well, I appreciate being part of this. Um, we have a great producer in Josh. Oh, yeah. He's a lot of fun. Um, he lets us tease him. And uh, I mean, if he wasn't so sexy and handsome and talented, yeah. you know. He, We're just waiting for the day that he quits. I know. <laughs> but we also want to thank KSL and Bonneville International. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. They believed in you. Uh, I, I am so impressed still to this day that they kept you on the insurance and they saw the value of letting some of their resources go towards your, your recovery. And I, I think that is, that is the epitome of what a large corporation can and should be doing. And they gave me my job back. I'm back on TV. And they let you pitch them a podcast, which has now turned into you're back on television. So, I mean, life is good. Yeah. Believing in other people, believing that other people can do things, being there to support them in whatever capacity you have, it it uh, the fruits of those labors are tremendous. It's amazing, and we're very like lucky and thankful that you guys let us do this. Yeah, and we we made it more than six episodes. Yeah, <laughs> so happy New Year, uh, God bless. We love you. And in case you forgot, Project Recovery is what it's a KSL podcast. I said God bless. <laughs> of this program are for informational purposes only. The program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, licensed therapist, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this program. KSL does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on the program. Reliance on any information provided on the program is solely at your own risk.